0: to Page It to the Limit, a podcast where we explore what it takes to run software in production successfully. We cover leading practices used in the software industry to improve both system reliability and the lives of the people supporting those systems. I'm your host, Mandy Walls. Find me at lnxchk on Twitter. Welcome. Today, we are talking with Jonathan Canada, who recently joined me on our Twitch stream. Uh, Jonathan is a senior solutions engineer at Teleport and is also a cyber operations officer with the California Army National Guard. Jonathan, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you.
1: Thanks so much. It's, it's great to see you again. Thanks for having me on here again.
0: Yeah. So when we when we were on the Twitch stream last week, you like it was your day job. We're talking about teleport. It was a super interesting application, but you also kind of slid in there that you're also a cyber officer. And uh so we wanted to dig into that a little bit. So tell us a little bit like how'd you get into all of this? How did you how'd you get into to the army and how that led you to where you are today?
1: Yeah, so I've been in the army national guard for almost 12 years now. Um, I originally enlisted into the the national guard and the, the job I signed up for was, was not really what I expected at the time. So the, the recruiter who got the job for me and got me to sign up all that, uh, he was really talking up that I would be going to airborne school, Ooh. which is you know jumping out of airplanes mm-hmm. and parachuting out, that I'd be in a special operations unit. He said not even to worry about the job he was signing me up for. I would just be doing all this like kind of cool guy stuff all the time. And so I was like, awesome, airborne school, special yeah. operations, sounds great. But the job he signed me up for was called uh, shower, laundry, and sewing specialist. So I got Wait. to go to, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not something I usually tell people, especially army people, because I can raise some eyebrows like, what, what the heck is that? Not to discount those people that do sign up for that job. Um, it's just at that time, uh, not at all what I was expecting to get into and definitely caused some jokes while I was in basic training when the drill sergeant would ask me like, hey, what's your job going to be? shower laundry and sewing specialist drill sergeant like what the heck is that so i learned how to you know set up showers how to set up laundry machines and uh how to how to sew Um, so the the recruiter kind of neglected that part i mean there's valuable skills of course in in sewing but he was it was true i did get to go to airborne school i was in a uh, special operations unit so we supported special forces units we were like a a logistics a support unit for the special forces units so that part was accurate uh (laughs) but yeah did not expect to go to shower laundry and sewing school as part of that (laughs)
0: yeah that that seems like a yeah like you say important jobs but not not the not what you were were sold so like what what happened after that it's like since since then you you've joined some other things like how did you get to the the next phase
1: i enrolled in army rotc while i was in university so i was able to get my degree paid for i majored in computer science Um, And upon completion of my degree and uh, upon completion of ROTC, I commissioned as a signal officer into the Army National Guard. Mm -hmm. Um, A signal officer does a lot of stuff with communications, so radios, satellites, computer networking, just making sure that all the units are able to be able to talk to each other. At that same time, the... Army had just come out with a new branch called cyber. And having been a computer science major with a background in technical stuff, that sounded really interesting, really cool. Um, so I was able to get in touch with a commander of one of the cyber protection teams here in California, which is where I live. And he helped me h- how to apply to be a cyber operations officer. So I had to mm-hmm. put together a packet in my packet. I had to have like letters of recommendation, proof of my transcripts, any technical certifications I might have attained. So at that time I had a few like AWS certifications, I had security plus certification. And then in addition to that packet, you also had to submit a kind of technical test. And with that whole packet it got sent off to national guard bureau where a board reviewed all the packets and I was selected um, to be a cyber operations officer. And upon selection, I had to attend this seven or eight month school called the cyber operations officer course.
0: That sounds like a commitment. Yes. Eight, eight months of, of what, like just training all the time.
1: Yeah. It was seven to eight months of pretty much, 8 a.m. to 4 or 5 p.m. in a classroom doing technical stuff and then homework also outside of that. So just like the year prior to that, when I became a signal officer, I had to attend the signal officer school, which was four months long. And that school was, I mean, it was a lot of fun. Like we, there was time to do stuff outside, like explore the area. It was in Georgia, which is also where the cyber operations officer course is. Um, in Georgia. But for the cyber operations officer course, I didn't get that same, you know, able to hang out. It was heads down for (laughs) the seven, eight months, just studying, diving deep into cybersecurity, doing reports, presentations. It was a lot of stuff.
0: Yeah, that that sounds super intense. So like of all the vast range of things that, that you could possibly need, like, what did they have you focus on? Like what kinds of things seem like they're important for that kind of job? It's like you have like a SIGINT, like all that sort of stereotypical stuff is kind of like World War II based. Like oh, I'm going to like spy on the Russians or whatever. And that's not the case anymore. Like there's a whole lot of other things that you would be looking at. Like what kinds of things did you end up having to to study and to look at when you're going through this process?
1: Yeah, the the first like six months of that course are just purely technical. The last two months are more Kind of operational. How how it starts is the first seven weeks is you work towards Cisco Certified Networking Associate. I think okay. it's CCNA. Um, but it's not just like a you know boot camp kind of thing where it's two weeks you take the test and you pass it. It was seven weeks all day long. We had each one of us had our own set of routers switches, so we really got to dive deep into networking and really learn all about. Um, you know, OSI, seven layer networking model, get a really good understanding of that, which was awesome. Like I thought I had from my computer science background, places I had worked, a good understanding of networking. But after that, like, I feel really good talking about networking concepts. From there, it went into C programming. And then we went into a CISSP module, because as officers, we're basically like, managers, the officers are the ones who create plans and it's generally then the, you know, enlisted who will execute on those plans created by the officers. Um, and CISSP is,
0: is pretty intense. Yeah. I,
1: I don't remember what the acronym is, but I think most people know what CISSP is. Yeah. Uh, certified information system security professional, something like that.
0: Something like that. Right. Yes.
1: After that, it then went into something called Cyber Common Technical Core, CCTC. The purpose of that is for all services and I think even the NSA to attend that same module so that if we're all working together on some kind of joint operation, we at least have a common base of knowledge and expertise that we can all work from so we can understand one another and know kind of at least what the other person in that other service should know. Mm-hmm. And that covered a very deep dive into networking, but like really diving into how you might compromise those different systems and also how to look for compromises. So learning about, you know, how to get a good solid baseline of those systems so that if something deviates from that baseline, you are able to more easily spot something that's potentially malicious.
0: Sure. Okay. Like
1: gaining a baseline of what the usual processes should be. So then if suddenly there's some weird processes there or something weird connecting, it's you're more easily able to spot it. And through that course, there were no like tools that were used. It was primarily just all the native tools within or I guess When I say tools, there were no like third party tools that were part of it. So the purpose was to really understand the theory of the operating system, just Mm -hmm. using what is already part of it.
0: What's there. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So that meant like using PowerShell, using Wimic, you know, using Netstat, using Bash scripting uh, to discover and see these things or to create your own uh, compromises as well.
0: Yeah. That sounds pretty wild, actually. Like, that's that sounds like a lot of stuff to go through. Because I figure if you're learning that sort of on the job, you're probably getting it piecemeal. And it might take years. So, like, kind of having it all dumped into your brain at once seems pretty intense, actually, uh, for all that stuff. Definitely.
1: <laughs> it was.
0: So, with all that, like you stayed in uh, the service and like, how does this, the stuff that you've learned, like all this intense training and all this stuff, like how's that helping you then in your, in your day job in the, and the other things that, that you do for, for work?
1: Um, it has helped so much. I mean, first of all, just being an army officer for a lot of employers, they, they find that alone to be valuable, just like sure. the leadership stuff. I learned from that, but as a cyber operations officer, Having gained this really solid understanding of like technical theory, especially as it relates to cybersecurity, and with you know cybersecurity, everyone's always talking about it even more these days. Things oh, yeah. things happening out there
0: important. Yep.
1: Yeah, there's there's a few incidents that have occurred recently. You know, they definitely appreciate that and appreciate that I actually know what I'm talking about. It's it's mm-hmm. not it's kind of fluff that i learned but really solid technical concepts that i picked up through that course
0: yeah excellent and then your ongoing commitment to the service like what kind of projects then do you get to work on like we've seen the the commercials on tv right Your two weeks a year the one weekend a month that that sort of thing like what kind of projects then do you continue to work on as part of your your service there
1: the minimum yearly requirement is one weekend per month, two weeks per year. It usually is more than that. Um, that one weekend per month can be sometimes five days. So sometimes it, it could be Wednesday through Sunday. Mm-hmm. But there's even times where it's just like a Saturday, oh. if if we had a bunch of those five days, like consecutively. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, also the two weeks, that's that's a minimum. So when I went away for that seven, eight month course, that counted as my two weeks for that year.
0: That's a long two weeks. Yeah.
1: It was a very long two (laughs) weeks. Yeah. (laughs) So to fulfill that two week requirement, usually units will have a two week thing planned for the unit. Um, If somebody is not able to attend that two weeks, it's often because they're attending some other course like... In the example I just gave, I attended yeah. seven or eight months instead of doing the two weeks with my unit. But the the kind of training that we get is is really cool. Um, I'm really happy that I moved into Army Cyber, and it's a cyber protection team that I'm a, a part of. So yeah, our, let's
0: dig into that a little bit. Yeah,
1: yeah. So our as a cyber protection team, our our mission is is largely incident response. So if there's some usually state agency that has had some kind of compromise, we might be called in to assist with, you know, incident handling, incident response. So uh, a big part of that is root cause analysis, also baselining and identifying everything that is there in that network. Mm -hmm. So if there's a network we come into, there's been a compromise. There's going to be some network owner who, you know, owns that network
0: <laughs> they, they think they do yeah yeah
1: as <laughs> uh, <that's> redundant <laughs> but it really depends sometimes they're reluctant like hey who are these army people like i don't know why are they on our network um generally they're you know they're willing to work with us but from from their perspective i can see the hesitancy of sure uh, cause you know, one might think like, Hey, I have the expertise to handle this. Like, why do we need to call in these other people and make a big deal about it? Yeah. But if we, if we arrive on site, we'll ask for, you know, a network diagram of what the network owner thinks is there. However, we always have to make sure that we verify what they've given us and really do a full scan to identify everything that is actually there
0: Yeah,
1: because network diagrams, they, they're often not Totally complete, and if there's been a compromise, who knows if there's rogue devices that have been added in there.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and the the framework that we generally follow for one of those missions is NIST cybersecurity framework. The first phase of that is identify.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So that you know corresponds with what I just said: identify everything that's there. So then once you know everything that's there you can start doing your root cause analysis seeing how that compromise first started trying to figure out the timeline how it moved through the network and you know doing further forensics analysis uh, ac- across the network and we try to do as much automation as we can cuz if it's a huge network i mean oh, you can't yeah, just it could be, be there
0: forever yeah. hands
1: on on every single person's you know host machine uh, so we use open source tools like, uh, you know, ElkStacks, uh, Security Onion, and scripts that, that we've written ourselves.
0: So you're, you're helping someone out who's had like a problem that they maybe can't handle or they had to be accountable to a certain degree that they're not really prepared to do. Like, do you re- produce reports for them? Are you doing um, recommendations for them repairing or like, restructuring their networks? Uh, what other kinds of things, what kind of services then do you to sort of give them when you've dug down through all of their stuff?
1: Yeah, it, it really depends on the terms that are agreed upon mm-hmm. when we enter that. So we have to make sure before we go in there, there's NDAs that are signed. That, oh, sure. That we've spoken with like army lawyers, with their lawyers to make sure that everything is is okay, that they know exactly what we're going to be doing in there, what the scope of what we're allowed to touch Includes, so we can't just you know start installing things everywhere wherever we. Oh
0: come on! Yeah,
1: (laughs) but make sure it's all extremely documented. Yeah, follow the process, and if we want to make a change, we always have to make sure that that network owner is okay with any change, and it's fully documented. You know, to cover us, to cover them. You know, as far as like an investigation goes, if. You know, it results in some kind of criminal investigation. You can have chain okay. custody, you have yeah. like notes of everything that's occurred. But the big first part usually is, again, back to the cybersecurity framework, the identify mm-hmm. phase is doing vulnerability assessments. So, you know, doing like Nessus scans, uh, seeing what like vulnerabilities exist on the hosts in the network, uh, seeing what programs or what processes are running and once we do our, our vulnerability assessment, we create a report for the network owner where we say, hey, these are like the top findings, what we found. Here is what we recommend you do immediately. Here's what we recommend you do in the short term. And here's like long-term what you can do. So immediate things we might recommend are you know, turn on your firewall because we found that this firewall is not... <laughs> turned on or configured at all it's just allowing all traffic in all traffic out so definitely immediately fix that and then other like it's not smaller thing they're important but like immediate quick wins might be you know making sure that you have uh, you know proper password
0: sure uh,
1: complexities enabled and you have like lockouts set on on your machines so that if, you know, a machine isn't used for like five minutes, it goes to, it locks itself, something like that. Yeah. Um, can also include like, we'll do, um, an analysis of their cybersecurity policies, mm-hmm. so like their internal program that they have, and we can make recommendations that they, you know, improve that. So recommend that they have, you know, cybersecurity awareness training, um, recommend that they have, uh, like an incident response process a business yes. continuity plan in place all that kind of stuff
0: awesome so like when you're working with these do you find like is it still a lot of stuff that's on-premises or in a hosted data center or are you seeing more folks use cloud providers for for some of this stuff like is there more or less scary business going on in one place or the other
1: uh, for the agencies we interact with it's more on-prem
0: yeah cool uh, as we wrap up is there anything else you'd like to to share with folks about like it it sounds super cool like uh we'll post some of the links for the program and like the NIST stuff for folks who are just starting out with like vulnerability assessments and like that kind of thing like the, there's a lot of documentation in those programs for for folks who want to look at that stuff is there anything else that you super enjoy about it that you'd like to to share with with the uh, with folks
1: yeah for sure um and yeah, just, I guess, an aside on, on the documentation. Yeah. If, if you are looking to start or improve your cybersecurity program, definitely look to NIST, look to those, a lot of those compliance frameworks. They are great reference points for yeah. improving your posture within your organization and, you know, to achieve compliance like SOC 2, Type 2, for example. Yep. There's a lot of controls you'll need to have in place to meet a compliance like that. But as far as things that have been, I guess, fun and cool about being a cyber operations officer is the the training that we get is all lots of technical training so i've been able to get aws certifications i mentioned before ccna cissp 30 plus ceh just certified ethical hacker Um, i've gotten several red hat certifications through it sans certifications and for the the two weeks that we do per year it's usually like a a blue team versus red team type exercise so we get access to this whole range usually the first week is kind of a, a planning phase you know the officers will often come up with a plan which is simulating that we've just received notice that there's a network that's been owned so we need to plan out figure out the ndas interview the network owner and while we're doing that the people who are hands hands-on so our enlisted soldiers our warrant officers they can be doing training to get ready for what we're going to be doing that second week, which is simulating that we've now arrived on site and now we can start doing you know those vulnerability assessments, yeah. creating those reports, doing that root cause analysis. So it's really, really great training for just overall technical knowledge and really diving deep into like cybersecurity.
0: Awesome. Is there any one like favorite tool or interesting little bit that you think people should maybe they haven't heard of before that you've come across that would be super interesting for folks?
1: I mean, teleport is probably the
0: Teleport's amazing. Like <laughs> you totally need to check out our stream. I will post it in the show notes cuz like there's some really really cool stuff in there 100%.
1: Honestly, of course, I, I am biased. Of course. I like to teleport. I'm <laughs> there. I will say, if these organizations had Teleport, it would make our job of instant response much easier. Because with yes. Teleport, you're able to see the full recording of what somebody has done. I love that piece. An yes. second, and it is all tied back to their identity. So you're seeing, hey, not only is somebody SSHing as root, but you can see their IP address, what their identity is as it is within your single sign-on provider and a full screen capture of exactly what they did in that session. So if we had that, that would make our job a lot easier on the instant response side. (laughs) So much easier, so much
0: easier. No, I totally get it. No, yes, I will definitely link to the the stream that we did with Teleport uh, and PagerDuty so you folks can see that if you missed it, it's now up on YouTube. And uh, yeah, that recording is awesome. So, excellent. All right, well, dude, thank you so much for, for sharing this super interesting, really unique experience. Maybe there's some folks out there that will be uh, you know, interested in, in following through with some of these programs. This is something we definitely don't run across every day. So it's super awesome to talk to you. And thank you so much for, for sharing your experiences with us.
1: Thanks so much. I really appreciate you having me here.
0: Excellent. Well, thank you, everybody. Thanks for listening. Uh, subscribe for future episodes. And uh, we're signing off. This is Mandy Walls, and I'm wishing you an uneventful day. That does it for another installment of Page to the Limit. We'd like to thank our sponsor, PagerDuty, for making this podcast possible. Remember to subscribe to this podcast if you like what you've heard. You can find our show notes at PageToTheLimit.com, and you can reach us on Twitter at page it to the limit using the number two. Thank you so much for joining us. And remember, uneventful days are beautiful days.